This is going to be the last of the closing talks. <laughs> and actually what I'd like to do this morning is to talk a little bit about practice in our daily lives and then open it for discussion. Most of you have done quite a number of retreats already and have garnered a fair amount of experience in terms of how to apply the practice or how not to apply it. And just to share some of what you've learned from your experience of leaving retreats and would be helpful for everybody else. The most important principle of understanding and it's something that is easy to understand intellectually and very hard to deeply understand in our hearts is that our life is not divided into retreats and non-retreats that there's essentially no difference at all. It's not as if we leave the retreat suddenly this mind-body process which we've been observing for the last 10 days or 20 days stops and some other being enters. <laughs> it's exactly the same process. Changing impersonal and there's nothing more important about a retreat than about our lives outside it's the same life so the responsibility we have is also the same that is the responsibility to pay attention to investigate and as much can be learned from what we do in our daily lives as from being on retreat. If we carry that understanding that it is no different. Just as we sit here on retreat and there are sights and sounds and smells and tastes and sensations and thoughts and emotions, as soon as you leave mental physics there will be sights and sounds and smells and tastes and sensations and thoughts and emotions. So I think it's very important and helpful to see very carefully why it is that we have difficulty in carrying this quality of mindfulness out onto the highway. Maybe we'll carry it as far as downtown Yucca Valley. <laughs> and by the, the time we're in Palm Springs, where is it?
part of what we have to understand is that mindfulness and attention is something more than just a good idea. And it's a wonderful idea. It's a good enough idea to bring all of us here and to practice it for 20 days or 10 days. But if it's only that, we're not going to actually have enough strength and enough commitment and enough energy to actually be aware with the same quality and the same intensity and the same value in our lives as we are here. Somehow we have to make mindfulness and awareness and, and attention more than just a good idea for our lives. It's a practice, it's a practice to do. And the practice is no different than the practice that we've been doing here during these days. One of the most startling things about the practice of awareness, which perhaps you've gotten a glimpse of in the time here, is how simple it is. It's not complicated. Can you feel yourself sitting now? Just sitting. You know, the pressure of the body touching the floor, those sensations of pressure. Can you be aware of yourself sitting? Is there any great effort involved? Of any great samadhi that's necessary? Simple. Just sitting. Hearing a sound. Just hearing. Standing up. Just standing. Eating. Just eating. seems that the challenge for us in leaving the retreat and going back into our lives is not some tremendous effort that we have to make to be aware because awareness is simple. Rather the effort seems to be to remember to be aware. That makes it a lot less mystical, you know, and a lot less dependent on particular circumstances. We don't have to be in a particular environment or in a particular crowd of people to be mindful. What we do have to do is to remember to remember to drop back into the simplicity of each moment. As we sit here, and we're just with our sitting, not even getting so refined as to be with the subtleties of the breath, just sitting, just being here, being present. The power of that is that when we're just here, there's no past, 
There's no future. There's just this moment. Imagine how simple our lives would become, how uncomplicated they would become if we could remember to drop back into each moment's experience without continually being pulled out and lost in thoughts about the past, in anxiety about the future. What was so beautiful yesterday in the go-around, it was really touching to have so many people comment on the realization that they really had no problems. When we're sitting here, when we're in the moment, what's the problem? No problem. Just sitting, just hearing, just seeing, just feeling, remembering, somehow remembering to do it. One of the best ways of remembering, it's, it's an exceedingly helpful way of remembering, is to sit every day. Just sitting and getting into the posture is a fantastic reminder of how simple it is. And that sitting every day will help us to remember through the rest of the day simply to pay attention. That's the Vipassana mantra, sit every day. Sit every day. Sit every day. I don't know that you saw on our brochures, you know, sit every day, sit every day, sit every day, sit every day, no, 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 no. <laughs> sit every day. And you think probably it's going to be easy. Although you're such oldies, you know. <laughs> because on retreat there's so much support and you're sitting so much, you think sitting an hour or two a day should not be so difficult. But as you probably remember, it takes giving it a high priority. It takes arranging the day around the sitting. Sit every day. It's a wonderful reminder. As a corollary to, sit every day, to sitting every day, a very helpful footnote, don't judge the sitting. Just sit. And don't worry about what's going on. Pay attention as best you can, because you will go through everything. You know, and sometimes it will be wonderful and clear and illuminated and enlightening, and sometimes you will be lost in thought for the entire time. Just sit, and whatever happens, happens. Because even the sitting and thinking for the entire hour, although I'm not suggesting you indulge thought, if it should happen that way, that also there's a, there's a usefulness to it. It's a, it's a discharging, it's a release. And so even if the mind doesn't get particularly quiet or calm or concentrated, it's a letting go of a, a accumulated tension, psychological tension, emotional tension, physical tension. 
So just that process of releasing it is helpful, rather than the process of accumulation. The reason that there's no essential difference in our practice, whether we're on retreat or dancing through some other form, whether it's the form of work or relationship or whatever, is that the practice is not concerned so much with what it is that's happening. It's concerned much more with our relationship to what's happening. That's what we're practicing. We're not practicing to get something right, and to fix something and to make something stay there for us because that's impossible. What we are practicing is developing a true relationship to experience, an open relationship. A relationship where we can be with whatever the experience is without attachment, without resistance, without identification with it. And that takes practice. So we'll be attached a lot and we'll resist a lot, but through our awareness to our relationship to experience, we begin to learn how to settle back with that quality of openness, that quality of spaciousness of mind. Because it's the relationship that we're practicing, rather than practicing to get something, every opportunity, every experience, every situation, every person, every thing, everything is the opportunity to establish ourselves in a true relationship, in one of openness. It's not limited at all in any way by a particular form. In all my years of studying with Munindraji, there's one phrase that he used a lot and it just stayed in my mind and was so helpful in my practice and in my life over and over and over again he would say be simple and easy be simple and easy about things there's pain, there's pleasure, there's difficulty there's happiness it's sunny, it's cloudy you feel good, you feel sad be simple and easy what happens when we're simple and easy with things? Our life gets simple and easy. It's so simple and easy. <laughs> and it's simple and easy when we can simply drop back, settle back into the moment, whatever the moment may offer. Can we settle back into the moment and be with what's happening in a simple and easy way? Another little hint about how to stay simple and easy. 
don't interpret. We interpret our experience a lot. And we, we make all these stories about our experience. And that interpretation just takes us into a world of complexity and judgment and evaluation and commentary and self-image. You're sitting or you're going through the day and you have a tension in your heart, in your chest. Oh, my heart chakra is opening. Oh, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> Stay simple and easy. <laughs> what's happening is what's happening. And obviously sometimes we're going to get some signals and some degree of interpretation will be helpful. I had one friend in Massachusetts who was sitting, they was out on a, a farm in western Massachusetts and they had a little hut that they used for meditation. He's sitting and he just has this meditative experience and how sometimes you just get into real deep experiences of smelling, this kind of smell started coming. It was sort of something like smoke, but, you know, just smelling, smelling. <laughs> Place was on fire. <laughs> so I'm not suggesting that we get totally non-discriminatory. <laughs> Obviously there are times when we want to interpret and understand what's going on. But if you, note, if you notice, and you probably have noticed quite a bit, we're way out of balance with it. It's like our mind has gotten so into the habit of that kind of interpretation of what's going on that we've lost the simplicity of simply being with what is. Simple and easy. This is the last thing I'd like to say before we just open it up to discussion. is to reflect upon and understand how important this whole process of awakening is. There's not much support in most of our lives for the understanding of how important it is. And it's essential 
Because in each moment of our lives, in each moment of consciousness, we are conditioning, we are conditioning the whole unfolding process. It's not that because we may not be paying attention or we may not be thinking it's very important that this conditioning process stops. In every moment, we're either cultivating forces in the mind of greed or aversion or delusion or generosity or love or wisdom and each of those moments has a tremendously powerful effect both on the present quality of our lives and also the whole unfolding sort of the appreciation of the power it's really understanding and appreciating the power the karmic power of each moment the fact that we're actually creating in each moment's experience by our attitude, by the quality of our mind we're planting the seeds of future results and we're either creating seeds that bind us tighter and lead to more suffering or we're planting seeds which lead to peace, which lead to liberation And so somehow to, to understand and integrate and recollect the, the inestimable value of what we're doing. That is the value of awareness, the value of awakening. Not only for ourselves, but to the degree that we can awaken our own minds and our own hearts that touches everybody that we are in contact with. So what I'd like to do is to ask, to ask you, just considering all this, how has it worked for you? You know, in leaving a retreat and going, going back to your daily lives, what's worked? what hasn't worked and what's helped you to remember to be aware and to be wakeful and I think it'll be helpful just to share it with one another uh, I stumbled on this uh, little idea called stolen moments hidden use it seems useful at any point that you can steal a moment uh, while you're driving your car or whatever to just take essential inventory what am I smelling? What are my body sensations? What's I mean, you don't have to not pay attention to what you're, you're doing. If you're driving, you can be a good driver, but you're noticing that there's wind coming in the window, you're sitting there, there's maybe the stereo going, uh, wherever you are, wherever you're doing, standing in a bank line, you can do standing meditation. Uh, it's just, every time you turn around, you don't always have to be busy. There's plenty of moments you can steal. And if you do it, eight or ten times a day, it uh, starts to get automatic. It's, it's very, uh, very nice. Yeah, that sounds good. 
One thing that you haven't mentioned that's really been helpful to me is working with the precepts that if one is going to remember to pay attention that it helps to um, try to pay attention at the really important times. And that I like to think about uh, keeping the precepts, thinking about it in terms of uh, escape hatches, that there's an enormous amount of stress out there in the world coming from outside of me and also coming from in myself of complicating my life. And it brings up an enormous amount of feeling that I don't want to deal with. And um, at times when uh, I don't want to deal with that, the tendency is to want to break one of the precepts. And for me, one of the major ones was wanting to take a drink to deal with the feelings. And um, when I really started to look at that, and I think one has to evaluate in one's life what, what the significant escape patches are to see whether they are healthy ones or pathological ones. There are plenty of healthy ones, like sitting in meditation. There are ones that really are uh, destructive to ourselves and the beings around us. And um, I think it helps to pick one in particular, whether to pick the worst one for you or one of the easier ones, and to really notice around that one what you're doing. And if you can close that door and stop taking that escape route, for me, learning to stop taking a drink, the change in my life was so enormous. I could not believe it. I, mean, I was not drinking all that much. And, uh, closing that door, the next six months, eight months of my life was like being on a retreat. I did not know what I was going to feel from one minute to the next. And uh, it looked like a totally new world. It looked like the world that's here when you're on a retreat. Um, and I think that it can be that way in any of the, the different precepts of looking at, at honestly of speech, looking at, at not taking things that aren't given, uh, looking at, at not killing, um, looking at and causing pain to other people in sexual relationships, that uh, being willing to look and see what we're doing in those places and to try to work with you not doing that and see what comes up. And, and you probably can't, if you really stop that escape hatch, you can't continue to live your life in the, in the same stressful way that you did. And what I found I had to do was slow my life down. <laughs> That was the only way that I could live with the stress. And in that way, then I became more mindful around everything. So I think it helps if you're going to pay attention and remember to pick specific places to do that. So and just one at a time, you take it easy. Don't, don't judge and beat yourself with it gently. <laughs> Thank you. That was beautiful. And in, in that regard, what we, it was a timely. Uh, reminder um, just at the end of this session a few people had requested that Munindraji sort of formally give the precepts for those of you who would like to make that kind of commitment to undertaking them 
And so at the end of this, this hour, those of you who would like to stay, uh, to take the precepts in that formal way, which, which can be um, a good foundation for then, for then doing it. Thank you. Speak louder, please. Part of that, which really is, it has to do with the refuges, and that is taking refuge, we take refuge in the Sangha, which means taking refuge in mutual support, whether it's that kind of group, whether it's the support of people coming together to sit, which is extremely helpful to do. and. If something like that is not happening, to create it, you know, to take the responsibility to put the energy out to create a kind of uh, group sitting or support group like that. Because we can give a lot of energy to one another. The, the Buddha talked of this path of awakening as swimming upstream. You know, because we're in this plane of existence in which the forces of desire and greed and aversion and judgment are so strong and we don't have much support in our culture so it takes us energizing one another in, in different ways yeah um, yeah I wanted to say I really appreciate what that lady said earlier about you know, pinpointing one, uh, one pattern and habit <coughs> uh, what I want to ask, well, I don't really have an answer, but a uh, question which I can throw out. What, you know, this seems to be uh, every retreat, the, you know, the eternal question that people have is, you know, how do you go you know, to 
And, you know, it seems like uh, most of us are, are involved in our normal life, which is live in a very complicated uh, conceptual level. Not intellectual level, but, you know, we live in a world of, of concepts. And then we come to retreat, and it's, it's almost like, you know, you're trying to break your experience down into its component parts to see, you know, what you're actually experiencing, sights, sound, thought, and thoughts. Then, you know, okay, so you do that here, and it's like you, you know, you're slowing things down and you're really looking through the microscope. And you go back to the world, and you're back in the world of, of uh, where you're, you're demanded to deal with things at a, at a quicker level of concepts again. And so, you know, there's, there's two things that for me are, are a problem. One is that, uh, you know, you spend most of your day doing that, you know, talking to people, conversing, you know. Uh, and it doesn't seem always appropriate to, you know, to you know, be aware of all those things in that kind of slow particular way. So that wouldn't be such a problem as such because you know you're involved in that activity, but it also seems to be such a momentum built up from your daily, you know, hustle bustle activity that okay, you stop and you say, okay, now I don't have to. I can just now I'm just going to pay attention to experience as it is. There seems to be such momentum built up from that activity that it just it just carries over till the next day. So I, I see two real questions there that I don't really I haven't resolved because to me there's a great difference in uh, when I'm sitting most of the day as in retreat, when I'm sitting an hour a day or so. Uh, just the quality of attention. Um, what, what I found very helpful um, in dealing with those questions, which I think are common to, to all of us, is cultivating the mindfulness of the body. And it's the first foundation of mindfulness. And it doesn't mean necessarily the microscopic attention. As all of you know, I spend a lot of hours every day talking to people. And it's been extremely helpful to learn how to let the talk and the words come out of the body posture, rather than have my mind sort of running on the words out here. And it is definitely possible to be pretty busy and to be moving quickly and to be engaged in a lot of conversation and also settle back in one's body. It's a practice. It's a practice of staying grounded in this, in this bodily awareness. It's been really helpful. And, and it's... It's something that, in one of the advantages and disadvantages of the body, is that it's with us all the time. You know, so it's not something we have to go looking for. Here it is. Can we use it, you know, as a vehicle for staying grounded? Maybe some of you have some other suggestions. Um, I one way to uh, work with that is not only to schedule 
sitting practice daily. But to examine how you spend your time and uh, eliminate meaningless activities. I find that I spend so much of my time doing things that are going to make me in a really practical state when I do sit down that uh, I can look more at what I really need to do today and take out some of the Great. You know, it's, it would be interesting sometimes for you to look at, as one example of that, uh, uh, in, the, in the suttas, Buddhist discourses on right speech, there's a list of topics which are useless. <laughs> it's a long list. And it's just about everything we talk about. So I, I think that that kind of looking is is very valuable, not only in speech, but you know, in all the other areas. There's one other thing, sort of an area to look at, which has been extremely fruitful. It's been, in some way, the forward edge of practice in daily life, and that is to look at how we relate to times of difficulty. You know, when something happens that's difficult, that actually throws us off balance, how do we relate to those times? Because if we can relate to it with a real investigation of why the situation is throwing, off, throwing us off balance, rather than putting our attention outward and blaming right, either other people or the situation, really to, to take responsibility for that opening in our own minds at that time. It's a tremendous place of opening for us because the reason we're thrown off balance is that there's either a strong attachment or a strong resistance. I'll, I'll just share one story illustrating, illustrating what I mean. teaching at one retreat a few years ago and there was one yogi who was right at the outer edge and one day like in the, in the hall everybody's quiet you know and you know how sensitive and, and open you can get and this one yogi with a very intense voice kind of raises his hand and says something like what is freedom? <laughs> um, <laughs> my heart starts <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> And then a few days later, on the path, we, we just crossed, and again with the same intensity, you know, I think you should cook and I should teach. <laughs> it was great, because it really pushed me 
I could feel my uncomfortableness, you know, with that quality of energy in a group. Okay, what to do with this one? And it was great because I really started examining, okay, what am I holding on to? You know, what am I afraid of? What am I resisting? Why is this uncomfortable? And it just, it brought me right out to the edge of what I was willing or comfortable in accepting. You know, and when we get out to that edge, that's, that's a fantastic place. Because that's where our limit is and that's where our boundary is. So that's the place to look and to investigate rather than to kind of pull back into safe patterns you know, and either dismiss or do something that doesn't deal with our own with our own boundary. And so it's just by way of encouraging all of us at those times that are the most intense and the most difficult and we feel most uncomfortable, that is a wonderful place to practice. That's there's a tremendous challenge there. Okay, I think maybe just one last comment. Uh, I just want to relate a short story. I saw a film interview of Ben Hogan, a golfer, a few years back. And he spent a lot of time on the driving range hitting golf balls in his life. And the person who interviewed him said, how much time should a golfer spend on the golf course versus on the driving range? You spend a lot of time hitting balls. And he said, it doesn't make any difference. It's all the same thing. And the interviewer said, well, then why spend any time on the driving range? And he said, well, I found one thing. The more I practiced, the luckier I got. (laughs) Thank you.
know, it's clear, I think it's clear to all of us how important it is not to leave the retreat here. And in, in the various ways that have been talked about, and I'm sure there are many more questions and, and skillful means that are evolving, but to really to take the spirit, the deep, the genuine spirit of awakening, of looking, of investigation right, into our lives. Because that's the it's the fruit of the practice. You know, it's the it's the sweetness of the practice. A few, there are a few mm, sort of announcements I'd like to make. One is to talk just a little bit about uh, the center in Barry. It's a wonderful place to practice. It's out in the country. It's big. It's quiet. Uh, most of you know by now already that we we do a three-month retreat there every year. Uh, what you might not know is that it's not particularly necessary to come for the entire three months. <coughs> if some of you are interested in doing a longer retreat and could only come for one month or six weeks or, or two months, that also is a possibility depending on the space availability there. So it's just to, to really inform you of what's uh, possible in terms of facility for practice. Also, uh, the way we run the center is that it's volunteer staff who stay for a year, a year and a half, up to about two years usually at the most. And so it's a continually revolving staff with positions um, opening up throughout the year. And it really depends, the center depends on the support of people in many ways, people coming to practice, people contributing, people uh, offering their services. It's a nice little Dharma fire to jump into. It's, it's all the stuff of community living, because the staff is a community of 15, about 13 or 15 people, living in pretty close connectedness with one another. There's a lot of work. It's not at all vacation. There's a lot of support for sitting, for retreat, for Dharma discussion. A lot of contact with all the different teachers who come through. And one of the nice things about the center is that it's a facility that a whole range of Vipassana teachers use. And so you get different flavors and different angles, different facets of this diamond of the Dharma. So anybody who is interested, either immediately or just as a possibility sometime in the future, might write to the center and inquire, ask for a step application if you like. But that possibility is open to everyone and you're encouraged if, if you're interested. Yeah, there, there are two managers. 
there are three office people who do more day-to-day -day office work. Um, there's a lot involved in, in bookkeeping and registration and correspondence and there's a lot. Uh, four or five cooks and usually four maintenance people. Those of you who have good maintenance skills will have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big place and it needs, it needs a lot of caring. That's about the center. Do you have any other questions about it? Uh, gen generally, for staff positions, we ask for a year commitment because too frequent turnover is too confusing. Um, generally, when people come to, for example, a three-month retreat, there is a short work period every day, 45 minutes. Um, for the most part, people are encouraged to do that and then continue with the intensive practice. There is a category of retreats which we call work retreats, where people who don't want to do intensive practice but would like to be there as a yogi rather than as a staff person, but also do some work. And I think that's set up. The price is less, and I think it has to do, I think it's five hours of work a day, something like that, and the rest of the time sitting. So there are a lot of different options. The three-month retreat is wonderful. <laughs> it starts out with a two-week, 12-day, two-week retreat very similar to this with the basic set of talks and instructions and schedule. What happens as it goes on is that people are given more opportunity to drop into their own schedule and rhythm um, of sitting and walking. There's not so much emphasis on the group practice, although it's still going on and there's still a schedule, but people are encouraged to really get into their own rhythm of practice. Some people do a solitary retreat in their room for some time, uh, you know, of it. There's one week we have in the, in the mid, toward the beginning, uh, it's a group practice week where everybody comes together and for that week we sit and walk together uh, and that's been found very effective in terms of just developing the energy and the concentration and after that again people go into their own to their own rhythm it's real nice you know we've done a lot of them now. I think we're up to the eighth or ninth three month retreat um, and there's been a real nice development and evolution of the form. Does that answer? There are regular interviews and frequent talks. So there's a lot of support. It fills up pretty quickly for that first two weeks. 
each year the number of people doing the three month course has gotten larger and last year there were almost a hundred people there for the during the whole, during the whole time uh, that's not filled to capacity but it's quite full so it's good to yeah it's good to consider some time before I think. did somebody else okay uh, a reminder Alan has put out a notice about his being in Marin County uh, over the summer and will be leaving classes and group sittings and is available uh, to talk to people and so it will be a, I think a, a valuable support for those of you who are living uh, in Marin you put the address care, care of Joe and Cicere and it, it's on it's on a sheet of paper in the dining room Also, he put out a request that if you have particular uh, interests in terms of um, aspects of the Dharma that you would like to hear talked about, to please write down on a piece of paper what that is. Uh, the Dharma is vast and there's just a huge range of material. And so if there are particular areas of interest, it would be possible to create talks addressed just to that. The kitchen has requested some help from you. Um, if you have the time and are not leaving right away, just after we finish this morning, um, they need some more help in cleaning up. So if you'd like, just go in and they'll explain what needs to be done. Jack, do you want to say something about the Buddhist? Yeah. Just a a few more things. One is that, as was mentioned yesterday, um, both there's a a growing Buddhist Peace Fellowship in the Bay Area, in Los Angeles, around the country, for people who are interested in in joining together with others involved in nuclear disarmament or a whole range of other social um, action kinds of work, refugee work, many possibilities and the brochures are on the table for that. One of the things that's being sponsored in conjunction with that is the Circle for Peace Day in June. Um, Again, there's brochures there for it, which is um, as was mentioned in the group, the go-around yesterday, a time for people either to practice as a group in public, which some, some Buddhist groups will do, or to, to sit in your home or whatever place if you, if you sit in a Buddhist center. <clears throat> and then for people, especially in the Bay Area, but could be organized elsewhere um, in other communities as well, to join together in, in a in a celebration and in a um, demonstration of their concern and caring um, in a very peaceful way for nuclear disarmament particularly and world peace. Um, And for me what seems terribly important now (coughs) is rather than the kind of anti-war movement of the 60s in which there was a, a real spirit of antagonism that 
um, in this decade, in the 80s, with so many of us doing spiritual practice, to somehow see if we can bring the spirit of not creating enemies and not creating animosity, but more the spirit of Gandhi, of <clears throat> discovering a way that we can feel more connected with everyone, and, and rather through education and, and mutual understanding, um, bring about social change. <clears throat> a couple of other things. Um, as was mentioned also yesterday, Ruth Dennison has a, a desert center not far from here in Joshua Tree. It's open year-round for people to come to do their own self-retreats. There's a meditation hall and um, living quarters, and there's a whole series of, of retreats, shorter and longer, that she leads and that a few other people lead. And if you're at all interested... Um, you might even want to go and visit it before you leave this area or, again, pick up the brochure from that. Uh, I'll also, as well as Alan, I'll also be in Marin until August. I'm <clears throat> starting a new phase of my life as a householder, so I have a house and a car and an insurance policy and all those <laughs> things that I haven't had for a lot of years. And um, Part of the way of also being there is and supporting myself I'm also going to be doing um, therapy with people if you haven't finished your work in the retreat no um, with with people who are interested and my cards were out on the table um, and if possible I'll also be giving a couple of talks or doing some other things in the Bay Area and there'll be a retreat um, as you can see from the schedule there'll be a Santa Rosa retreat um, from June 7th to 16th and then a uh, retreat later in the summer that Joseph's doing in um, southern Oregon and Jacqueline's doing a retreat up in Oregon sometime soon And so there should be a <clears throat> either for yourself or people interested there's a whole series of retreats coming up um, I think that's all, thank you Just one, two more things which came to mind one is that um, over the past few years there's been a lot of interest expressed in creating a Dharma community center on the West Coast. One, possib one possible vision which um, is very appealing and um, when I was in Australia last time I visited a place like it it was a community on a large piece of land that combined a monastery and hermitage with little huts in the forest for people to practice with a retreat center with a community of people with their families who were living and working there and it was a beautiful interweaving of all those different sides of our lives um, we're trying to get something like that together and there's a lot of interest on the west coast for it uh, Joanne Cicery, who is one of the cooks, has agreed to kind of be a central information person and is actually going to be looking for land. If you're at all interested in this project in any way, you know, in whatever kind of support or advice or suggestions or 30,000 acres that you would like to donate, <laughs> <laughs> please see Joanne. <laughs> Uh, lastly, those of you who um, 
might have gotten the brochures that we sent out about Munindraji's uh, teaching vision teacher training program uh, for Bodhgaya and our work to develop the center there. Just a little update on what's happening. Um, we raised a fair amount of money and uh, finished a building, uh, one of the big buildings, dormitories and meditation hall there in Bodhgaya. There's some, uh, there have been some administrative problems that have come come up with how that center is, is run, which we're working at trying to alleviate. So for the interim period, uh, we've decided to try to have Manindraji start that training program in this country. And by next year this time, we're aiming to have a small center, mm, maybe a large house or someplace where Manindraji could be with you know, 10 to 20 students who are interested in a long-term practice and study program uh, as a way eventually of becoming teachers. More information will be, will be put out about that as it develops. It's just to let you know that that's, that's in the works. Is this through uh, IMS that this will be put out? No, this will be put out through this. There's another organization which was set up, the uh, International Meditation Center Building Fund, which a fellow in Buffalo, New York, Joe Donato, he's the chairman of that committee. And that was the organization which sent out the fundraising appeals and is also going to be organizing this American component of it. How does one get on the I'll put it there if it's not. So yeah. also, people who are interested could write to Barry. Yeah. yeah. If, if for some reason you don't connect here, you could write to me or to Jack uh, or to Menindraji at Barry and we could kind of get that set up. Right. <laughs> Seems like a long, long list. There is a tape library which we created at IMS. Uh, and you should all be getting the brochures from that. Uh, it's just beginning, just beginning to distribute the tapes from there. If you're interested and, and don't have a catalog, you can write to IMS Tape Library for information. One last thing. There's also a Burmese monastery, which was established a few years ago under the direction of Tanpulu Dao, who is this old and venerated Burmese meditation master. Uh, it's in Boulder Creek, uh, up north in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Uh, Jacqueline has taught there and has practiced there. Um, Tangpulu Saida will be there over this summer. Those of you who would like to experience what a traditional Burmese monastery is like without having to go to Burma, it would be a good opportunity for you to do that. It's possible for both men and women to ordain there. Uh, if you'd like to, you know, experience what the monastic life is like. Can you, no, I think, can you stay? F yeah. yeah. It's available and for people just to come and practice. Yeah. I, I talked to him up there, I sent up my letter, I talked to Mark who was up there, and because of the interest that's being generated, they're limiting people's visits to 10 days, and you have to send a letter and state kind of what you're about, 
and ask uh, to be admitted and mm-hmm. is attended in Okay, thanks. Any other questions? Yes. No. But uh, both our books recently were, uh, a new edition came out with a new publisher, Shambhala. So hopefully, and they're out already, hopefully they'll be easier to get than the old editions. Yes. Is there any information at this time about the uh, availability and when they'd be available of the tapes of the first 10 days and the second 10 days? Probably September. Probably September. Any questions you have about the tapes? There's somebody at the center taking care of the tape library. <coughs> and so any inquiries you had, you could just write to them. like to express appreciation for all of us, to you and Don and all the people at Mental Physics. It's a wonderful place, as you know we know. (laughs) We really appreciate it. To close, um, Manindraji is going to do some chanting of the Metta Sutta. And afterwards, uh, those of you who would like to stay to formally take the precepts can come forward and the rest uh, can just take your things and begin to leave. Um, And we'll do that just afterwards. Bhagavato Arahato Sama Samudasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Samudasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Samudasa Samanta Sakavalesu Atragatsantu Devata Saddamang Munirajasa Sunantu Sagamukadam Dhamma Savana Kalo Ayang Vadanta Dhamma Savana Kalo Ayang Vadanta Dhamma Savana Kalo Ayang Vadanta Itipiso Bhagavan Arahang Samma Samuddu Vijja Charana Sampanno Sugato Loka Vidu 
అనుత్తరో పురిషధమ్మసారతి సత్తాదేవమనుస్థానం బుద్ధో భగవాతి బుద్ధం జీవిత పర్యంతం శరణం గచ్చామి స్వాఖాతో భగవత ధమ్మో సందిట్టికో అకాలికో ఏహిపత్సికోపనాయకో పచ్చత్తం వేదితీ ధమ్మం జీవిత పర్యంతం శరణం గచ్చామి సుపటి పన్నో భగవతో సావక సంఘో ఉజుపటి పన్నో భగవతో సావక సంఘో న్యాయపటి పన్నో భగవతో సావక సంఘో క్షమించిపటి పన్నో భగవతో సావక సంఘో యదం చత్తారి పురిషయుగాని అట్టప్రిసపుగ్గల ఏస భగవతో సావక సంఘో ఆహునియో పాహునియో దక్కినియోంజలకరణియో అనుత్తరం పుణ్యక్యత్తం లోకసాతి సంగం జీవిత పర్యంతం శరణం గచ్చామి కరణీయమత్త కుశలేనాయంతం సంతం పదమభి సమేచ్చ సఖో ఉజూచ శుజూచ శువసో సస్సముద్వనతిమాని సంతుసఖోచుభరోచ అప్పకిచ్చో సల్లోకవత్తి సంతింద్రియోచ నిపకోచ అప్పకబ్బో కులేసు అనునుగిద్దు నుద్దం సమాచరికించి ఏనవియో పరిపవదేయం సుఖినో వాఖే మినోహంతు సభ్యే సత్తాభవంతు సుఖితత్త ఏకే చీపానుభూతత్తి తసావాయనవశేష దీగావాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవాయేవ
ಸಮಿಧಿಪತ್ತುಸಭೋತಂಪನಮಿಸಂಗಂಗಿಗತಂಪರೋಮನುಜೇಸು ಸಖ್ಯಮುನಿ ಮಧುರಮಿಮಾಂ ಫಗುನಂ ಸುವ್ಯಕ್ತಂ ಧಮ್ಮಮಿಮಾಂ ಸರ್ವತ್ತಮೇಮಿ ಯತ್ತಿನ್ನ ಮಹಫಲಾಹು ಚತುಸು ಶುಚಿಸು ಕುರಿ ಸುಯುಗೇಶು ಅಟ್ಟಚಾಪುಗ್ಗಲಾಧಮ್ಮದಸಾತೆ ಸಂಗಮಿಮಾಂ ಸರ್ವತ್ತಮೇಮಿ ಇದಾಂಗೋಯಾತಿನಂಹೋತು ಸುಖಿತಂತು ಯಾತೋ ತವತಾಚಮೇಹಿಸಂಪದಂಗೇವಾಸಂಪದಂಗೇಭೂತಅನುಮೋದಂತೋ ಸತಂ ಸಮಗಮಹೋತು ಯಾಬನಿಬ್ಬಾನಪತ್ಯಂಗ್ಯಂಗಸಬಕಹಬಹಂಹೋತು ಇದಂಗ್ಯಂಗ್ಯಪಚಯಹೋತು ಸಮಂತಸಕ್ಕಬಾಲೇಸು ಯಕ್ಕೇವಾಚಬ್ರಹ್ಮನೋಯಂಗಮೇಹಿ ಕಥಂ ಪುಣ್ಯಂ ಸಬ್ಬಸಂಪತ್ತಿ ಸಾಧಕ ಸಬ್ಬೇತಂಗನುಮೋದಿ ಸಮಗ್ರಸನೆರತಾಮರಹಿತು ಆರಕ್ಕಾಸು ವಿಶೇಷತು ಪುಣ್ಯಭಾಗಂ ಸಾಯಿಮಂಗ್ಯಂ ಸಮಂದಾಮಿಕಾರಿತಮೋದಂತು ತಂ ಸಭ್ಯೇ ಮೇದಿನಿ ಧಾತು ಸಖ್ಯಕೆ ಸಭ್ಯೀತಿಯೋ ವಿಭಜ್ಯಂತು ಸಭ್ಯರೋಗೋ ವಿನಸ್ಸು ಮಾತೆಭವತಂತರಾಯ ಸುಖೀತಿ ಗಾಯಕೋ ಬಭಂ ಅವಿವಾದನಶೀಲೀಸ ನಿತ್ಯಮುಡ್ಡಪಚಾಯನೋ ಚತ್ತಾರೋ ಧಮ್ಮಾವಡ್ಡಂತಿ ಆಯುರ್ವನ್ನ ಸುಖಂಬಲಂ ಇಚ್ಛಿತಂ ಪತ್ತಿತಂ ತುಯ್ಯಂ ಕಿಪ್ಪಮೇವ ಶಮೇಜತು ಪೂರೆಂತು ಪನುಸಂಕಪ್ಪ ಚಂದೋಪನ್ನರಸೋ ಜತ ಮನೀಜ್ಯುತಿರಸೋ ಜತ ಸಭ್ಯೇ ಸತ್ತಾ ಸುಖೀ ಹಂತು ಸಭ್ಯೇ ಹಂತು ಚಾಖೇ ಮಿನೋ ಸಭ್ಯೇ ಭದ್ರಾನಿ ಪಶ್ಯಂತು ಮಾ ಕಂಚಿ ದುಃಖಮಾಗಮ ಇಮಾಯಾಧಮ್ಮನೋ ಧಮ್ಮಪಟಿವತ್ಯ ಬುದ್ಧಂ ಪೂಜೇಮಿ ಇಮಾಯಾಧಮ್ಮನೋ ಧಮ್ಮಪಟಿವತ್ಯ ಧಮ್ಮಂ ಪೂಜೇಮಿ ಇಮಾಯಾಧಮ್ಮನೋ ಧಮ್ಮಪಟಿವತ್ಯ ಸಂಘಂ ಪೂಜೇಮಿ ಅದ್ದ ಇಮಾಯಪಟಿಪದಾತಿಚರಮರಣಮ್ಮ ಪರಿಮತಿಚ್ಛಾಮಿ ಭವತು ಸಭಮಂಗಲಂ ರಕ್ಕಂತು ಸಭದೇವತ ಸಭಬುದ್ಧಾನುಭಾವೇನ ಸದಾ ಸುತ್ತಿಭವಂತು ಸಭಮಂಗಲಂ ರಕ್ಕಂತು ಸಭದೇವತ ಸಭಧಮ್ಮಾನುಭಾವೇನ ಸದಾ ಸುತ್ತಿಭವಂತು ಸಭಮಂಗಲಂ ರಕ್ಕಂತು ಸಭದೇವತ ಸಭಸಂಗಾನುಭಾವೇನ ಸದಾ ಸುತ್ತಿಭವಂತು he who is skilled in working out his own oil being and who wishes to attain that state of calm nibbana should act thus it should be dexterous upright exceeding exceedingly upright obedient gentle and humble contented 
easily supportable with but few few responsibilities of simple livelihood controlled in the senses prudent courteous and not hanker after associations with families let him not perform the slightest wrong for which wise men may rebuke him let him think may all beings be happy and safe may they have happy minds whatever living beings there may be feeble or strong or the seekers or the attained long stout <coughs> or of medium size short small large those seen or those unseen those dwelling far or near those who are born as well as those yet to be born may all beings have happy minds let him not deceive another nor despise anyone anywhere in anger or ill will let him not wish another ill just as a mother would protect her only child with her life even so let one cultivate a boundless love towards all beings let him radiate boundless love towards the entire world above below and across unhindered without ill will without enmity standing walking sitting or reclining as long as he is awake let him develop this mindfulness this they say is noble living here not falling into wrong views being virtuous endowed with insight last in the senses discarded verily never again will he return to conceive in a home by this practice that accords with truth we revere the buddha by this practice that accords with truth we revere the dhamma by this practice that accords with truth we revere the sangha may beings in inhabiting space and earth devas and nagas of mighty power share this merit and long protect this sasana all beings and ourselves may beings inhabiting space and nagas space and earth devas and nagas of mighty power share this merit and long protect the sasana and all beings and ourselves may all beings share this fortune of merits which you have thus accumulated by cultivation of sila <coughs> samadhi <coughs> versus concentrations and wisdom for the may all beings share this fortune of merits which you have thus accumulated by dana sila bhavana for the acquisition of all kinds of happiness may all beings be happy and free from suffering may all attain peace everlasting babato sabba mangalam rakkanto sabba devatam sabba buddhanu bhavena sada sutte bhavantu te babato sabba mangalam rakkanto sabba devatam sabba dhammanu bhavena sada sutte bhavantu te babato sabba mangalam rakkanto sabba devatam सब्बसंगानुभावेन सदा सुते भवंतुते ऑल फील सेम आफ्टर साधु साधु साधु
those of you who would like to stay <coughs> precepts formally, please you could just move forward a little bit. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.